What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. We are in the middle of the round of 16. The first leg is completed. We have the second leg still to go. Of course, it's a two-leg aggregate scoring playoff, uh, so a lot of basketball still to be decided next week when the second leg takes place. Joining me to break down the first leg of the round of 16, talk about some of the best individual performances, some of the best games, is David Hein over in Germany. Dave, what did you think of the first week of the playoffs? It lived up to it, I tell you that. Um, surprises, shocks, um, great performances. We even had a tie game. Um, so just uh, fantastic stuff all around and uh, plenty of, of drama to be uh, to be had uh, in, uh, in a couple days. So I can't wait. Yeah, as expected, it was a dramatic start to the round of 16. The home home teams took care of business for the most part, uh, but there were a couple road teams winning. There were some upsets, some number one seeds going down. So next week is going to be very intense. Make sure you go to championsleague.basketball for all the stats, highlights, news, and analysis that you need to stay up to date with the round of 16. Right now on the site, we have Igor Jerkovic's latest column where he asked and answered eight burning questions about the first leg of the round of 16. He wrote about why there's some hope for Venezia despite their 23-point loss to Nizhny and uh, and much more there. So make sure you go check that out. And of course, download the official Champions League app and, uh, and subscribe to livebasketball.tv to watch all of these games live or on demand. All right, Dave, let's dive into the round of 16. Hey, for the two-handed jam! Putting it up. Good. Another one for Perry. Nicolau goes up against Perry and does not live to tell the tale. First up, I think we need to talk about the best individual performance of the week. There's not going to be a, an official team of the week or weekly MVP for the uh, round of 16. There's just going to be one at the end of the round. But if there was an MVP for this week, it would unquestionably be Kendrick Perry, the Emperor Penguin from Nizhny Novgorod, who, who joined us on the podcast a few weeks ago. He had 34 points, six assists against Umana Ryer Venezia. Only two players have scored more points in a playoff game than Perry. He's also the first player in BCL playoff history to score more than 30 points while having five plus assists in the game. Uh, he did have six turnovers, but I think you can, you can forgive that when a guy goes out there and drops 34. Uh, outside of Perry, it was a pretty good team effort overall from Nizhny. Some other guys stepped up as well offensively. Uh, Venezia, obviously very disappointing performance from them, losing by 23 on the road. Uh, Dave, what, you know, obviously Perry was the was the headliner here, but what what kind of jumped out to you from this game? Just sticking with Perry really quick, the the fact that he was you know really able to take over games. He hadn't really done a lot the last couple of weeks um, in the in the regular season, uh, but just to, just took over this game. Uh, with his with his shooting, um, you know, took twenty shots. Uh, you know, I I love the performance of 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 Ian Hummer. Um, you know, twelve points, five of six, two of two, uh, and you know, he he does he does uh just so much for this offense. Six rebounds, five assists, uh, the steal as well. Uh, Anton uh, Astakapovic, you know, nineteen points. Um, but really just, you know, the, the, the hard nosed defense that these guys played and really didn't let anybody 
you know, feel comfortable. And, um, you know, Perry was just unstoppable. You saw that with, with, with Haynes, you know, he fouled out, um, only played 19 minutes. Uh, nobody could really slow him down. You know, Deron Washington, you know, maybe could have helped on that a little bit. You know, uh, he didn't play. Um, but you know, they, they, they forced, uh, Venezia into 17 turnovers, only 14 assists. They didn't shoot the well, uh, the ball well on the three pointer. So just a, total dominating performance led by you know perry um so just you know have to totally tip your hat and you know i all right you know uh you know igor said you know they they uh that venezia has been able to to reverse uh to to win a couple of games a few games by by 23 but uh you know i like this this would be the absolute shocker if that were to happen um so Fantastic performance by by Nizhny, but you know, really also a poor performance by uh, by Venezia in, in a lot of different ways. Yeah, really disappointing game for Venezia. I think we both picked them to win this series because we thought that you know they just had too many weapons for this Nizhny defense. Talking about Marquez Haynes, Austin Day, Julian Stone, and, and those guys just didn't really show up at all. Uh, Haynes only six points, Day five, Stone only had three. Um, you know, it was a lot of, uh, Mitchell Watt, uh, Michael Bramos, those guys did their things, but, uh, Venezia, just not a, not a good team effort offensively. Like you, you mentioned those turnovers. And if you turn the ball over that many times against this Nizhny team, Perry's going to punish you in transition. And that's exactly what happened. And yeah, I'm with you. You know, Igor said that Venezia have won five games by 23 or more points. So there's still a little bit of hope. I don't doubt that they can score the amount of points that they would need to pull that off in theory. You know, we know this is a team that can go out there and put up 100 points in a game, but I don't see them being able to get the stops that it's going to take to make that happen. You know, Perry was just absolutely cooking these guys. And even if he cools down a little bit, uh, I I think 23 is just going to be an insurmountable number for Venezia. So, uh, you know, getting those stops, you know, they weren't able to get these stops in this game. You know, it wasn't only a 12 point game in the fourth quarter and and 12, even though nobody's ever come back from 12. um, But 12 is at least at least, you know, thinkable, you know, 23. That's just, you know, that's. You know, there, there's, there'd have to be a total meltdown, in my opinion, a total meltdown by, by Nizhny, uh, for, for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to take a miracle for Venezia to get back in this, but that's why they play the games. We'll see what happens next week in the second leg. Uh, you know, no, nobody has ever won a two-leg series in the first leg, so we'll have to see what happens. Maybe Venezia get really hot. Maybe Perry is ice cold, and and they can turn this around. But it looks like Nizhny will be headed to the quarterfinals if they can, uh, you know, replicate even sixty percent of this performance next week. Uh, moving on, another team led by an exciting dreadlocked point guard who we've had on the podcast, Antwerp Giants, with an upset 75-67 to win over UConn Murcia. We say it's an upset because they're the four seed and Murcia are the one seed, but Dave and I actually both picked Antwerp to win this series because of their youth, their athleticism, their energy, the way they get up and down the court. And that was certainly the case in the first half of this game where Antwerp just completely controlled the tempo, built up built up a 17-point lead uh, at home in front of a really good crowd there in Belgium. But then Dave, uh, I think, maybe showed their youth a little bit in the second half. What did, what did you see in the second half of this game that uh, might have an impact 
in the second leg. You know, you have to be, if you're Mercia, you have to be happy that you, that you, you know, you only lost by eight, um, you know, that you came back from the 17 point deficit, uh, probably a little bit disappointed that you, that you gave up uh, an eight Oh run at the end, uh, especially the way you did it, you know, basically having, uh, two not really great possessions, uh, but, uh, but probably even more, uh, more disappointing was giving up two offensive rebounds in the final two minutes. Um, and then also, uh, the three pointer at the end of the game, I think it was like three seconds left when, when, when Paris Lee hit the three, uh, and, and, you know, eight points, you know, five points is obviously, uh, a lot more comfortable than eight points. Um, you know, you also have to be kind of, I guess, I don't know, not satisfied, but at least, uh, feel a little bit better that, you know, your, you know, two of your main guys, Kloof and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Doyle, you know, they didn't really, they scored 15 points combined, but they were both three of 10 from the field. And, and you have to imagine that those guys probably will be able to bounce back a little bit from that. Um, you know, eight points is not un- unthinkable and, you know, going back home and, uh, you know, I, I think probably, you know, over the weekend play a solid game, uh, you know, obviously getting a victory. Uh, I'm not aware, actually, that's the top of my head who they're playing in the, uh, in the ACB, but, uh, you know, if you're Antwerp, uh, you know, the, the eight Oh run at the end to, to cap off a good solid performance, you know, building a 17 point lead, uh, against a team that's only lost once all season, uh, you know, definitely in your, in the first game that you've ever played in the playoffs, uh, has to, you know, give you a lot of confidence. So, uh, and, and, and these are young guys and, and those, and, 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 you know, these are the, the games that these are the, the experiences that, that those guys need in order to get to the next level. Yeah, absolutely. I think confidence is the key here, uh, what, what you just mentioned there at the end, because in the first half, these guys looked super confident. Ishmael Bako had 10 points in the first five minutes. He was getting put-back dunks, really set the tone with his energy. Paris Lee had 21 points in the game. 16 of those came in the first half, and these guys were very aggressive, very confident. They were getting out in transition. They were harassing Morcia defensively. But then in the third quarter, I think, uh, you know, Morcia stepped up their defensive effort a little bit. They also started getting some easy baskets, which forced Antwerp to take the ball out of the net and slowed the pace a little bit. And then once Antwerp were in half court offense, they just weren't as effective. Uh, they became stagnant, not as much ball movement, not as much player movement. And it looked like their confidence was maybe shaken a little bit. So I, I think that 8 run at the end of the game was really crucial with Jay Sean Tate getting five points, that Paris Lee three-pointer at the buzzer. I think that was, uh, that was very important, more so than, than just the eight-point advantage, but also the confidence that's going to give them going into the second leg. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this game a little bit more in the overtime segment of this podcast. I have a couple notes on this one. But let's move on, Dave. The defending champions, Ike Athens, the only number one seed to get a win this week. They beat Pauk 84 to 75 on the road. Vince Hunter, uh, who definitely has to be the regular season MVP, he was a monster once again. 20 points, 12 rebounds, six of those were offensive, 10 of 13 from the field. Uh, but it was a good team performance from Ike. Uh, what jumped out to you from this game? You know, if you're Ike, you know, building a 24 point lead in the, um, in the first quarter, 28 to four. And, and then to, you know, you almost had to feel like you were watching Ludwigsburg, uh, sorry, Ludwigsburg fans out there, um, (laughs) uh, seeing them come back, (laughs) 
seeing uh, uh, Pauk come back to within uh, 32, 37. Um, and then, you know, you have to be kind of uh, aggravated, you know, I, I probably, you know, ballistic if you're Luca, if you're Luca Bonke, the coach for Ike that, uh, that they gave up. You know, the 5 0 run at the end, especially the three pointer at the buzzer by Conieras, um, to have it be only nine points. Uh, but, you know, Hunter and, and Sakota were fantastic. Uh, Theodore, uh, was, was outstanding. Um, and, you know, one thing that, you know, we've, we've said that, that Pauk was a great three point shooter. You look at uh, Conieras and, and Tepic, they were, they were seven of nine, and and really that was one of the you know uh, one of the only things that was really really working for them. Hatcher had a struggle at you know zero for four from three point range, just one of nine from the field. Um, so you know the the main thing you you could probably take away if you're if you're Ike, all right, you you built up the the big lead and lost it um, and had a solid lead, but. Just a little bit aggravating is that it's only nine points. Yeah, I think they would definitely like a little bit more of a cushion, especially after they just completely dominated that first quarter. I think when Pauk got back into the game, uh, one of the things that Ike got away from is they just weren't feeding Vince Hunter enough. Uh, Once they went back to getting him the ball in pick-and-roll situations, he did his thing, uh, and and that guy's just unstoppable. So hopefully that was a little bit of a reminder for Ike that, you know, if you you feed Hunter, good things are going to happen. But, you know, nine-point advantage, anything could happen, but they they have the next game at home. I, I think Ike are probably feeling pretty comfortable about their situation right now. Two teams that are definitely not feeling comfortable uh, because of how tight this game was. Bomberg beat Banvit 81-79 at home. It was an incredibly close game throughout. Uh, could have gone either way, but Banvit didn't really execute well late in the game. They committed some turnovers and some offensive fouls on crucial possessions. Banvit were also only 10 of 21 from the free throw line, which, which is just a killer in a two point loss, especially in a two leg aggregate like this. Tyrese Rice did his thing again in the clutch. Elias Harris was phenomenal for Bomberg. Um, Dave, what did, what did you think about the German team getting the two-point win? And, and do you think two points is enough of a cushion for them going into Bandirma next week? No, I think whoever wins, basically whoever wins the game uh, is going to, you know, the, is going to win the, you know, is going to reach the quarterfinals. You mentioned, you mentioned the free throws on one, one, uh, on one side, which was definitely um, a problem. And I think on the other side, Probably one of the biggest concerns for Bum- for Bumberg were the 17 offensive rebounds, which turned into 23 second chance points. Um, if for Banvit, um, you know Morgan and and Eichel, you know they combined for 11 of those 17 uh, offensive rebounds. Uh, you you saw some great guard play, which is what we figured there would be, and uh, you know you know Bumberg only turned the ball over nine times. I. I you know those free throws. I I can bet you those free throws are going to decide. Uh, uh, well, well, will have made this probably very could have decided this 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 tie. Um, but you know they're going to have to. Bamberg is going to really have to pound the glass a little bit better uh, defensively, uh, especially knowing that uh, that Bandvet's going to have extra energy going uh, going back home in front of their crowd there. So. Comfortable, you know, for sure not. You know, and, and this was, you know, must have been a nerve-wracking game for both fans 
you know, five points. You mentioned uh, close throughout. Five points was the biggest lead for either team in this game. So just, uh, you know, you, you 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 could you you know watch the whole thing, and you know, you never saw one team really able to to take control of it. Yeah, we mentioned in the preview show that this was maybe the tightest matchup overall, and it certainly lived up to that. A couple other final notes here. Uh, Bomberg, only 3 of 20 from the three-point line. Uh, I think that was really surprising, given that they were on their home court. Uh, so that maybe doesn't bode well for them going on the road for the next game. Uh, you, you mentioned Banvit with their offensive rebounding and how it was Morgan and Akiel doing most of the damage there. I think Banvit's size overall is just a problem for Bomberg with Gary Neal and, and Mackenzie Moore. Those are big guards. Uh, I think they're going to cause some matchup problems in that second leg. So I, I, I think Banvit are in a really good position, even though they lost this by two points. Uh, I, I still like Banvit to win this one and advance to the quarterfinals. Moving on over to France, where Le Mans played Bologna to a 74-74 tie. This was another game that was really back and forth. Uh, Dejan Kravic was playing really well for Bologna in the first half, was able to help them build a bit of a lead. But anytime Bologna built a lead, Kendrick Ray, their new addition, or Valentin Bigot, they had a response. Ray finished the game with 21 points. Bigot, a BCL career-high 25 uh, Lamont also were able to do this with a combined zero points from Jonathan Taboo, Michael Thompson, and Antoine Eto. Uh, so very, very interesting situation there from Lamont. Uh, Dave, looking at this, uh, you know, from, from Bologna's perspective, uh, how do you think they feel about this with a tie situation going back home to Bologna for the second leg. You got basically zero production from, from uh, Kevin punter. You know, he ended up, I, I, I guess with six points. Um, but until the, uh, until the final two minutes, he had a three point play with about, with about, with about one fifty left. But so basically you had zero production from him. Uh, and you, uh, and you get the win. You didn't shoot well from three point range at all either. Uh, you didn't turn the ball over. Uh, just nine turnovers, uh, just 19%, four of 21 from three point range. Um, so I, I think you could be satisfied. Uh, you know, you, you played pretty good defense. You, you mentioned, uh, zero points from, from those, from those guys. Um, and you know, the guys that, that, that needed to produce a little bit, you know, did produce a little bit, you know, you punter, you know, is going to step back up and, and, you know, he's not going to have a, re- it, it, some of the shots that he missed, um, you know, air balls. And, and you're like, man, is this, is that, uh, is that somebody else in, you know, in, in Kevin punters clothing and, and, you know, put on the, put on the little, uh, facial hair and stuff. Uh, um, so, you know, where does Mojo go? You know, just wasn't there in this game, you know, when he's going to be back at home, that's definitely going to be there. So this is, you know, you mentioned the, the bandwidth one, I, this is going to be fascinating one as well, because, you know, we, we talked about Lamont, you know, really soaring their way into the playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, on the other hand, you know, you're Lamont and you, you get this, you get this, you get this result. Um, you, you're, you're, you're working in Ray, uh, Bigot has conti- you know continues to play excellent basketball, um, and then you also do that with zero production from from you know really three important players. So on the other hand, you also have to be pretty excited. Um, so I, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a great one going back to going back to Italy for next week. 
Yeah, I can't wait for the second leg of this one. It was interesting with Ray. You know, we mentioned in the preview show that sometimes when you have a new player coming into a team, there's an adjustment period. Of course, they don't really have any chemistry built in with their with their teammates. But that was not a, did not appear to be an issue at all. Ray jumped right in there, and this is a guy who scored 30 points against Ike uh, last year in the playoffs, uh, going up against. Kevin Punter and this Ike team. So maybe, maybe Ray has, has Punter's number a little bit. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Bologna can stop him in the second leg when the series shifts to Italy. The other French team in the round of 16 also got a positive result with Nanterre beating Besiktas 68 to 59. No Dominic Waters in this game for Nanterre, but Konate picked up the slack with 13 points. Yuskevich just had 12, Singlin 11. So a little bit of production elsewhere for Nanterre. Uh, but Dave Besiktas with some injury problems that, that definitely affected them in this game. Uh, why, why don't you tell us about what happened to the Istanbul side in this game? Well, I mean, you have, you know, Benzing, Robert Benzing is out with a broken finger. Um, and, and Jason Rich, uh, who I don't know, I think we could probably say was one of the, the top, at least late ads, whatever, into a, into a team. Uh, you know, definitely. he was, he was, you know, definitely one of the, the leaders of that charge to the second spot in the group. Um, uh, he went up for a dunk. Uh, three minutes into the game on the break and Kanote came back and, and, and blocked it. And, and you saw him grab his arm, grab his elbow somewhere in there. Uh, he, ended, he, he ended up playing two more minutes. And then I think the last five minutes of the first half, it didn't come out in the second half. And, uh, you, you know, you just saw that, that, um, you know, Bashik does just because they play tough defense, you know, stayed in it, but you know, they were lacking, uh, you know, a go-to guy that, you know, can really go and get a basket. And, um, you know, you, you, uh, you mentioned some of those other guys, I think Gamble had a fantastic game, you know, he didn't not necessarily offensively that much, only at eight points, uh, but five rebounds, three steals, uh, three big blocks, also a big block at the end of the game to secure that, that nine point, um, the nine point victory, uh, you know, and doing this without uh, Dominic Waters out six weeks with a thigh injury, you know, huge loss, but they were able to, to really do their thing. Uh, you know, really just a total, you know, uh, meltdown by uh, Barack uh, um, Yild- Yildishly um, with 11 seconds left fouling Yusikevius, um and uh, giving them two more points. I think it was a six point, uh, no, it was a seven point game. Um, and, uh, followed him with 11 points. So that's, yeah, you, you, you hope for his sake that this, this doesn't get decided by two points because giving, you know, giving up those two points, um, uh, coach Ivanovich just lost his mind. You know, how could you give up that foul, um, in a, in a two leg game like this? So uh, for his sake, I hope this doesn't get decided by two points. Yeah, for sure. Besiktas in this game, only four of 20 from the three point line. That rich injury just, just really killed them. Um, I picked Besiktas to win this series, but my main thought there was that Rich is one of the best one-on-one scorers in the BCL, if not the best. And I just didn't think Nanterre were going to have an answer for him. But if he's not out there, if Benzing's not out there, there's just really no offense on this team. You know, Phil Pressey is a great passer and a great defender, but he's not going to go out and score many points for you. Uh, Ivan Bua is a, is a great low post scorer, but he needs he needs some help. Otherwise, he's just going to get double teamed and, and not going to be able to do much. So uh, if hopefully 
we don't have an update on Rich yet, but hopefully he's able to play in the second leg because Besiktas definitely need him at home if they're going to win this thing and and advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, another team that had some injury problems, but it did not affect them very much is Prometheus. No Ryan Brown, no Langston Hall, but they beat Tenerife 69 to 57. Dave, I know you loved this one. Uh, you've been <laughs> a little bit down on Tenerife all year. You said, you know, they're too reliant on the three ball. If the threes don't fall, uh, they're in trouble. And that was certainly the case here. Tenerife struggled from the outside. Great defensive effort from Prometheus as they won this one 69 to 57. And you also had a big feature article that just came out this week on championsleague.basketball about Prometheus, kind of the history of the club, the owner, the youth system there, the family atmosphere that they've cultivated. Uh, It was a great article overall, so I definitely encourage everyone listening to this to go check that out when you have some time. Uh, but Dave, you know, Prometheus, they took their name from the Greek legend, the, the, uh, the man who stole fire from the gods. Looks like they stole Tenerife's fire in this game. That was one of the things that we said, you know, uh, can they remain disciplined enough defensively? That's what we both said. And, you know, to, to stop the ball movement, you know, because that was one of the things that Tenerife did, you know, and if, uh, you know, a, a team that's physical that that can you know play disciplined defense is Pauk, and Pauk beat them, and and you know, and and you and and they kind of stole a page out of that that book. You know, you look at you know three of twenty from three point range. Is that going to happen again? No, yeah, probably not. It's very unlikely. Seven seven assists, uh, eight assists, thirteen turnovers. Is that going to happen again for Tenerife? Probably not. Um, is twelve enough? You know, it's. Uh, it's never been done. No, no team has come back from 12 down. Um, so is it enough? We'll see. It's just, it's just 40 minutes of an 80 minute game. Can Tenerife put up loads of points? Of course they can. Um, but you know, you're going to have, you know, maybe two guys back, two of your absolute leaders, you know, uh, Ryan Brown got hurt in the Ike game. Um, and Langston Hall was a, a last minute decision not to play, um, the club seems kind of confident or, you know, at least, uh, 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 you know, not doubting that they will come back and play next week, you know, kind of, obviously I would say, you know, watch the weekend, what happens if they play or not. Um, you know, guys that stepped up, you know, like you said, family, we're all one group and, you know, uh, uh, you know, Mayer's a guy that scored 30 points in a game this year, you know, and he, and he you know, scored 22. Uh, you know, Octavius Ellis, you know, we we kind of wondered about the athleticism of him against uh, against uh, Iverson. He was able to produce 10 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks. You know, he was that athletic guy in the middle. Also had a block shot, uh, I believe, on a three. Um, you know, so, you know, this they didn't get much production outside of Iverson. You know, Davin White had 10 points, but Iverson was uh had 16 points, only had seven shots though. I mean, he had he was uh, 8 of 8 from three three point uh, from the from the free throw line. So, uh it's only te- it's only tw- it's only 40 of 80 minutes. A lot of things have gone uh went well for them. Um but they're not they're not out of the woods yet, you know. They still have to to to, to keep this this highly explosive Tenerife team down for another 40 minutes. I don't know. 
Yeah, this is this is going to be a fascinating second leg because we know Tenerife can put up a ton of points, but this Prometheus defense really impressive in this game. This was the first time ever that Tenerife scored fewer than 60 points in a BCL game. So, you know, their worst offensive performance in BCL history, I don't think it's any coincidence. This Prometheus team is very aggressive defensively, a bunch of tough-nosed guys. They're switchable. They can move around quite a bit. And with Ryan Brown hopefully coming back next week Langston Hall hopefully coming back as well we'll see what happens there but with those guys coming back I think Prometheus have to feel great about their situation but like you said you know we know Tenerife can put up a ton of points they'll have their home crowd behind them I'm really excited to see how this shakes out because they're they're going to be going all out offensively uh, so I, I, w- I want to see what this Tenerife team can do with their backs against the wall. And this is certainly that situation right now. They do, they do not want to miss the quarterfinals for the second straight year after winning the first BCL title in 2017. So definitely check this one out next week. It's going to be a really fun game. And the last game from the round of 16, Neptunus losing at home 74-86 to Hapoel Jerusalem. This was a game where Neptunus were scoreless for the first three and a half minutes of the game. Uh, their coach called a timeout when they were down 8-0, to zero, said they were scared, they weren't playing aggressive, and they just needed to start playing basketball and get back to what they do well. Uh, Jerusalem got a ton of easy baskets off of alley-oops and dunks in transition. Uh, Neptunus, defensively, they were making miscommunications. Offensively, they were committing some unforced errors that were leading to easy baskets the other way. Uh, so, you know, Dave, we have Jere Grant on the podcast this week. He talked about, uh, you know, some of the things that they have to do to turn this around in Jerusalem in the second leg. Uh, what did you see in this game? And, and do you think there's much hope for Neptunus on the road in Israel next week? Yeah, I mean, if if uh, if you look at teams uh, who have lost by twelve points, who have a better feeling, uh, you know, we just talked about Tenerife. I would, <laughs> I'm being much more in a positive situation than you know as Tenerife than than Neptunus. Yeah, you know, all five all five starters scored in double figures. Um, you know, this was just the 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 offensive firepower that we know from from Jerusalem, and they just couldn't really do anything about it. And um, yeah, I mean. It's only twelve. I guess this. <laughs> I guess is like the thing you could say, um, and, and you saw it. And you know, and it's like okay, maybe you you play, uh, you know, you play against uh, you know a, a player in any sport who's better than you, and you get you know you see it for the first time, and then you see it again. You will be better. Whether or not you're you're that much better in order to overcome it. You know, it remains to be seen. It it it's not a very promising situation, let's say for 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 Neptunus. Um, you know, there 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 was a physical nature that um, actually after the interview we were talking to to Grant and he mentioned that they committed the most fouls or almost the most fouls in both the BCL and the LKL. Um, and no, I think there was only one player that had three fouls or more. Um, so you. I I would say you have to imagine that this game, um, that that Neptunus are going to go into this return leg, saying that Jerusalem is not going to be able to score. In order for us to have a chance, we're going to have to keep these guys to let's say seventy seventy five points max, um, and and that will have to come with a physical play, fouls, getting these guys, and and you know, Grant said we just we, they were just too quick for us. We couldn't actually get back and foul them, so. Yeah, 
you know, it, this is going to be interesting to see what kind of, you know, um, there's there's one idea to, to last point. There's just one idea to to have a uh, a change in your tactics, but the other one is to actually be able to implement them. And and if 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 Hapa Jerusalem actually allow Neptunus to implement those tactical changes. Yeah, I, th- I think Grant made another good point as well in the interview coming up saying that, you know, all of the pressure now is going to be on Jerusalem where they are the higher yeah. seed. They're a team that is, um, you know, a, a championship contender. They want to host the final four. Uh, and now they have the 12 point lead. So I think he's right in that regard that Jerusalem have all of the pressure on them. So maybe that will free up Neptunus a little bit, uh, mentally. Cause I, I think their coach was right. They looked very scared at the beginning of this game, uh, which is a weird thing to say about it, about a team that has, you know, prevailed through the toughest group in the regular season that has had a lot of success in the LKL against the best teams in that league but they look shook they looked shook in the at the beginning of this game so maybe in the return leg they'll play a little more loose they'll be a little more free and Jerusalem I want to see how they respond to this situation you know you're you want to host the final four you want to win this competition go out and take care of business at home uh, when it when it matters most. So I'm excited to see how they respond to that situation. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, realistically, Jerusalem are, are probably just going to win this game or at the very least lose it by a couple points. I, I think 12 is going to be too much for Neptunus to overcome. But like I said earlier, that's why they play the games. We'll, we'll have to see how it goes. Uh, Dave, any final thoughts on this game before we move on to overtime? Uh, no, let's go. All right, so overtime, five topics from around the league. We'll get through these pretty quickly. First up is stat of the week. Dave, I'll let you go first with this one. All right, I'm going to go. We actually stick with the Neptunus game. Uh, you take away Tomas Delenikaitis, um and the and the Neptunus uh, had uh, four of eight three-pointers. Uh, the rest of the team was three of 21 from long range. Uh, is that going to happen again? Uh, a Lithuanian team uh, shooting shooting that poorly? Probably not. Um, so at least that is one uh, positive. Uh, um, so what do you got? Yeah, my stat of the week is 10. This is something that you've mentioned uh, a couple times here. So no team in BCL history has ever advanced to the quarterfinals after losing the first leg by 10 points or more. So that means Tenerife, Neptunus, and especially Venezia, who lost by 23. History is against them. Uh, but, you know, the competition's young. This is only the third season. So, um, you know, if, if any of those three teams are going to do it, I think it would probably be Tenerife. Uh, but history not in their favor. Next up is surprise of the week. For me, it's got to be Venezia, I think, uh, you know, in a, in a disappointing fashion, coming out and just getting completely blown out by Nizhny. It's not a surprise to me that Nizhny won the game, of course. They're, they're a talented team. Perry uh, is, is, you know, maybe the best player in that series. He certainly was in the first game, no question. Uh, but for Venezia to just really, you know, kind of not show up, fall behind by 20 points in the first half, uh, I, I thought that was surprising. You know, I, I've said before that I didn't totally trust this team, but I didn't think it would be uh, that bad of a situation. So for me, surprise of the week, Venezia losing by 23 on the road. Dave, what was your surprise? That was mine, but I do have another one just because I figured maybe you would go first on that one and, and take that one. Uh, I'm going to go with seven 
seven minutes, 12 seconds combined uh, for Sebastian Saiz and Mamadou Nyang. Obviously, um, obviously they, you know, Tenerife thought that uh, Iverson was the main option and, and they didn't want to, you know, either go with a, a combo of, of, of size and, and Yang uh, with Iverson. Iverson did produce like we talked about, but, um, you know, I've been one of the proponents of, of size is one of the reasons why I've actually kind of maybe not hated or, or not, not hated is too strong, but ha- not had too you know, everything against uh, Tenerife because I really like size, but size only played two minutes and four seconds. He played, I think, whatever, 10, 10, 12 minutes or so over the weekend. Um, so that, that for me was a surprise that, because I thought that that may have been one of the combatants against the athleticism of the bigs that Prometheus had. So uh, seven minutes and 12 seconds combined for those two. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I would expect to see some more Sebastian size next week in the return leg. Next up, Overreaction Friday. Dave, I'll let you go first with this one. Uh, I'm going to go with um, the with Luca Banki going crazy at the end with giving up the Conaris three pointer. Um, you know, to make it only a nine point game for for Pauk. Um, that's not going to make a difference. You know, you mentioned no team has ever come back from ten points. Uh, Ike is actually the only team to come back from nine points, and that was last year with punters three pointer at the at the buzzer, basically. Um, overreaction that that three pointer by Conaris is not going to matter at all. All right, my overreaction, I'm going to stick with Ike. I'm going to say Ike will be the only number one seed to make the quarterfinals. Um, that's uh, <laughs> So that would mean Antwerp beat Morcia uh, in, that, in that series. That would mean that Le Mans get a win on the road at Bologna. I'm not super confident in that one, but I think Kendrick Ray is a, is a big problem for that Bologna team. And then also uh, that Prometheus hold on to their 12-point win over Tenerife. So that, that goes against the predictions I made in the preview podcast, but that was my overreaction Friday, is that Ike, only number one seed to make the quarterfinals. They were the only number one seed that, that really impressed in the first leg this week. Just a note on that, though. You mentioned uh, that Le Mans, you think Le Mans will actually get past Bologna. The five times, this is the sixth time that a first leg has been tied after the after 40 minutes. And the road team in the first game has has gone through the, the to the to the next round all five times. So that does speak in favor of Bologna. All right. So Bologna with their home court advantage uh, and history in their favor, maybe feeling a little bit optimistic there. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Next topic, uh, team of the week, because there was not an official team of the week. Dave and I thought we would do a uh, personal ones. I'll start it off. I'm going to go with Paris Lee from Antwerp. Kendrick Perry, of course, from Nizhny would have to be the MVP. Valentin Bigot from Le Mans. Elias Harris from Bomberg, who had 19 points, 8 of 9 shooting from the field and, and was really great in that game. And then Vince Hunter at the center spot, uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds, was clearly the best player in that game against Pauk. Uh, so that was my team of the week. Lee, Perry, Bigot, Harris, and Hunter. Dave, what was your five for this? Not sure if we can take Bigot or not. He was on my original five, and I thought, well, we don't take losing teams, but they didn't lose. So um, I have actually uh, uh, Perry and uh, Lee Platt really close with the double-double with 10 assists. Um, I have Bigot, and then I have actually Tony Meyer, who, who without uh, Brown and, and Hall came up with 22 points. 
Uh, so I have him instead of Harris, who Harris has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and then, of course, Hunter, and, and I would probably take uh, Perry as the uh, as the uh, MVP as well. Yeah, yeah, good point there with Meyer. He was he was excellent in that game for Prometheus. And the last topic for overtime: the team that won the first leg that is in the most danger of losing their series and missing the quarterfinals. Dave, I'll let you go first with this one. Then, then I'll say the, probably the easiest choice is is Bumberg. Um, just, you know, knowing that you're going to a tough place to play, um, and, uh, knowing that, you know, with all the missed free throws and, and, uh, you know, offensive rebounds is, is something that, uh, you know, has to do with toughness and, and, and having a team like Bandvit come in and, uh, and really kind of push you around in that way. Um, I think that probably gives you, uh, cause for concern. What do you got? Yeah, that's a good point with only the two-point advantage there. Um, Bomberg definitely in a little bit of trouble. I'm going to say Antwerp, uh, you know, just, you know, I, I picked them to win this series. You did as well. Uh, but we'll see if they can maintain their composure on the road. You know, building a 17 point is great. Losing it, not so great. Um, and, and, you know, on the road against a Morcia team that has final four experience, uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond. If Morcia start a little bit better, hit a few more shots, build some momentum, get their home crowd in it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if Antwerp can maintain their composure, uh, because, you know, in the, in the second half of that game, uh, at least until the final minute or so, Morcia were the better team in the second half with their defensive pressure. And Antwerp, a lot of young guys on that team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they respond on the road in a pressure situation where they're trying to win an elimination game and see if they're their first Belgium team that can make the BCL quarterfinals. So I'll say Antwerp are in the most danger, but I have faith in the young kids. I have faith in Paris Lee and Baco and Tate and Sanders. I think they'll hold on and, uh, and, and get the W. So that'll do it for overtime. Coming up next, we have our interview with Jere Grant, the excellent big man from Neptunus Klaipeda. Jere has a very unique family situation uh, that we'll, we'll get into with four direct family members having played in the NBA or currently in the NBA now. He's also uh, been all around Europe, played in Australia is a, a really smart, interesting guy. So we were excited to have him on the podcast. So stay tuned for our interview with Jere Grant. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up. Gets it inside to Jere Grant. And Jere Grant goes right to work, banks it up and in. And it goes, and Grant just comes right back at you. Weaver yet to get it going. Williams inside to Grant. Little jump. Oh, he's got such a soft release, folks. All right. So on the show this week, we have from Neptunus Kleipedos, Jerry Grant. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thanks. It's good to be here, man. Okay. So um, first of all, you know, you guys um, are coming off a, a, a tough loss um at home against Jerusalem. It was a it was a five point game. You know, this is a this is a two leg uh tie basically. Um and you know it was a five point game with three minutes left. And I'm sure that would have been a lot you know more comfortable maybe going into this uh the 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 second game the second game in Jerusalem. Uh it ended up being a twelve point loss. Uh maybe maybe you know what happened, you know what went wrong uh, in in that in that first game. Um, I think that, uh, 
you know, we we went in with um with uh, a mindset to to try to try to stifle them defensively and and uh and I think um you know just just that their advantage you know they had they were so much more athletic than us and their their running game is is uh is incredible so so I think they took advantage of that um we we weren't hitting you know a lot of our shots you know a lot of the shots that we normally hit like our threes weren't falling I think we shot like 19% or something like that from three and, and they took advantage of that you know as soon as we missed they go down the uh, an alley-oop dunk or fast break dunk and I think we uh we didn't respond in the right way you know, you mentioned uh, the alley-oop dunks. You know, one of the things that 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 also is a is a characteristic of that team is just um, you know really a lot of uh, presence down low. You know, obviously that's that's one of you know that's where you're responsible for for Neptunus. Uh, you know, maybe just you know what it's like going against that front line. You know, with Stoudemire, Thomas, and and Owens, who have really been, you know, I mean, I guess we could even say torturing defenses all year. What was it like going against that front line? Uh, it was it was uh it was good. You know, I think it was good for, for, for our team as well. Um, as well as personally, you know, because, because, um, you know, being able to see, you know, how we stack up against a team with, with that kind of budget and with that kind of, uh, fan base with that kind of history. And, and, uh, you know, they're obviously favorites to win it and they're favorites to win the Israeli league, you know, whereas we're, you know, the exact opposite. So it's a, a David and, J- and Goliath situation. Um, but, uh, you know, you can never count us out. We've, we've, we've dealt with situations like this before and, and going into to the next game, I think, I think we're just as, just as uh, prepared as ever. Yeah. Dre, you guys had a really strong regular season, uh, what does it say about this group that you were able to, you know, rally? You you kind of started strong and then had some struggles there in the middle, but then you were able to rally late and make the playoffs in, in what was probably the toughest group overall. Um, you know, what what does that say about the team that you guys have there in Neptunus? I mean, you know, like like I said before, we we don't really um, like if you look at our budget and look at other teams in this in this league's budget, you know, you wouldn't expect us to even be in the playoffs, but I think that, uh, that, um, that shows where our, where our hearts are, where our, just our, our minds are at right now. We, we want to push and we want to get as far as we can in this tournament. Um, you know, so, so without even looking at the roster, you can tell that we, we have, we have a, a kind of, Nasty to us, you know that that team shouldn't take for life. Yeah, and then in the Lithuanian league, you guys have beaten Zalgiris uh, three times now, and that, that's a team that made the Euro League final four. Now, uh, how much confidence does that give you beating a team like that, and uh, you know, looking at, at potentially even putting you guys in a position to win that league this year? Well, a lot of uh, a lot about basketball is about matchups, you know. And some teams match up differently with other teams, and and uh, a lot of people don't really think about that. But but um, you know you you got to look at that and and realize that that we have the type of team that can that can beat Zagreb. 
and other teams as well. So uh, I think our chances to winning this league are, are good, are really good. You know, right now we're sitting at, sitting at second place. I think that the next few games in LKL are going to be important for us as well. I think we can't, uh, you know, just drop in, drop any games like we did, you know, a little while ago against certain teams. I think we got to make sure we win those games. And then when the, 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 the games against Alvarez and we just come up, we got to take care of those as well. You know, probably every time you've been interviewed and in who knows how long, you know, your, your, your father and your, your uncle, you know, both of them obviously played a long time in the NBA, your uncle, you know, mm-hmm. won four championships, three of them with the, with the, yeah. the bulls. Um, you also have the two younger brothers that are both in the NBA right now. Um, to 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 kind of go into this, maybe take us back to, you know, uh, you know, growing up, you know, maybe the 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 backyard or front yard um, driveway uh, battles. What was that like? You know, you also have a there's a there's a there's a fourth brothers that's that's there as well. Um, you know, maybe just talk about the 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 driveway battles and what they were like. Uh, two on two was a uh, was a monster growing up. You know, we. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go two on two all the time, and uh, it was me and my youngest against the two middles. And we uh, we used to, used to have fun, you know, on the on the on the blacktop on the on the driveway court, you know, because every house we lived in we had a we had a driveway court, so so we would have fun, you know, play. It would it would get competitive, obviously, you know. You ask us to this day. You know, everyone will say we won the most games or I won the most games or whatever, but but um, it was fun, you know. And as far as my, my father and my uncle, um, you know, we used to go during the summers. I used to go in high school every year to uh, to, to California, you know, and, and work out and enjoy my times with him. Uh, my father coached me throughout most of my life, you know, things that, tell me what to do and and how to be successful, not not just in basketball, but in life, you know. Obviously it's the father and son connection. So so it was a lot it, it got a lot deeper than basketball. And was there ever any pressure to to play basketball, you know, with your dad, your uncle, or was it just something that, that kind of you always wanted to do anyhow, you know, growing up around the game as as it is anyhow? Uh, well, you, you know, when you grow up around the game, you you just develop that that love for the game. You know, it, it, it's hard to explain, but you just you just it's just something you want to do. So it wasn't so much pressure. I mean, yeah, it was it was it was like, yeah, you're gonna play basketball, but you know, at, at a certain point, you're like, this is what I want to do. You know, this is this is uh, one of the things that I want to help define my life, and at the same time. Um, you know, you got to realize that life is way more than just, just the game, you know, way life is way more than just basketball. There's, there's things outside that help you become who you are, you know, and, uh, and, and one of the benefits actually of playing, you know, in different countries and seeing different things is you get to, to immerse yourself in different cultures and become, become, uh, you know, like, um, just just uh just more 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 intelligent in, in different aspects yeah just kind of get get some different perspectives right 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Different perspectives. And, and, and I think, I think it's, it's, it, it helps with empathy as well. You know, you put yourself in other shoes no, no, not to the point where you can, where you can actually imagine being that person, but to the point where you, you can help yourself understand, you know, what, what might be going on in that person's lives or, you know, how, how their country is different from your country or whatever, you know, it just helps connect the world and make basketball makes the world a lot smaller. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a, a global game at this point. Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when you were a kid, so I, I think you were maybe like nine or 10 years old, uh, when your dad retired, uh, what do you remember from those times? Cause I, I assume, you know, you'd probably be like at the arena with him and he's, you know, going up against some of the great players from that era in the nineties. Right. Uh, wh- wh- right. yeah. What, what, what do you remember from those times and who are some of your favorite players, you know, either, either guys that your dad played with or opponents that he went up against? Uh, I remember some of the games. I remember going to the games and, and, uh, just, just being that goofy kid dancing on the jumbotron <laughs> And uh, a few games, you know, going and actually being uh, the ball boy, you know, wiping up like the sweat for the guys, for the NBA players. And and uh, <laughs> I remember giving an interview after one of the games, actually an interview for one of the games. And, and they asked me who, who my favorite player was. And I told them it was Jawan Howard. And, uh, and you know, I, obviously, you know, I, I go home and I get all this, I get all this stuff from my mom and, my dad's like, nah, it's, it's, it's okay, it's cool, you know. He, you know, but but obviously, you know, it's my dad, so I don't think of him as a basketball player. Mm-hmm. I think of him as my father, as my, you know, like that that that's my guy, you know. So it's not the same as, as seeing, you know, someone else on the court and just being, oh yeah, that's that's you know, this Harvey Grant, that's my dad, you know. Yeah, for sure. How uh, how often do you get to see your brothers play now? Do you do you get a chance to go see them in person, or are you uh, are you the type of guy who wakes up at like four in the morning to watch them play, or just kind of like catch them later Man. on league pass and that type of thing? Man, it's it's tough because uh, you know over here in, in Lithuania, it's um, the time difference is, is is crazy. So they'll come on TV at either two in the morning to four in the morning. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a game, if we have a game that night and then the next day we have no practice, which is very rare, uh, you know, I might stay up pretty late to watch them. Or even if it's on a Sunday, then they'll play at 1030, you know, or something like that. And I'll, I might stay up to watch them, but but it's hard, it's difficult, you know? So, so, um, I just, I try to check their highlights, you know, when I can and, and see how that's going. But during the summers, we're really when we get together and we do all our brotherly brotherly love type things so so um yeah you know we keep in touch during the year but uh it's it's limited to, to how much i can actually see them play uh you you grew up uh in i guess we could call it suburban uh dc in in maryland and uh you know you went to right. dematha high school you know which you know right. has has produced uh, a lot of great uh athletes in various sports, you know, politicians, sportscasters, you look at the basketball guys, you know, Adrian Dantley, Danny Ferry, Joseph Forte, um, you know, Bogans. And then, you know, before you guys, and then after you, you know, we've seen, 
uh, Victor Oladipo, Quinn Cook, Markel Fultz. Um, maybe, maybe just talk about, we, we kind of always try to ask our, our American, uh, players, you know, what it's like growing up in the basketball scene where they are, um, you know, maybe talk us, talk, talk to us a little bit about maybe DeMatha and maybe the, uh, the DC basketball scene. Right. Well, uh, actually it's, it's funny. Um, I, I, you know, all the guys you, you mentioned, um, were actually, you know, obviously great high school uh the math graduates but one of my guys one of the guys that i actually looked <laughs> up to and forward to was uh david aldridge you know and uh um, sportscaster yeah you know, I saw he went also, there too. yeah james, james brown you know, too right he, he went to yep yeah exactly and yeah. and so like for me it was uh you know i i i uh i was uh i was a big in journalism like i wrote for my school newspaper and i was uh I'm actually, I, li- I like to write, you know, in my spare time. So, so for me, it was, um, it was, it was more of that aspect as, as far as like, uh, the math of graduates. But, um, yeah, like you said, man, the math is, a is, is a top tier school is a top tier high school. And we turn out some, some serious talent, you know? Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's one of those schools that's, that's, uh, it's not a boarding school. It's not, a you know, just, it's not a sports factory, but it's, it's everything. You know, we, we, uh, we produce like guys who, who, uh, we, we say gentlemen and scholars, you know, gentlemen and scholars, that's the, that's the school motto. And, and, uh, I can't say if I went anywhere else, I'd be more proud, you know, of my high school. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, after high school, you ended up going to Clemson, where both your your dad and your uncle played there as well. Uh, yeah. What what did it mean for you to kind of follow in their footsteps and, and go to that university and play there? Well, it was uh, it was it was a tough recruitment, you know, for me. Um, you know, just being that fresh and and being really on my own as far as like uh, choosing a school, it was uh, it, it was tough, you know, because I. I for me, it was, it was my top two schools. It was between Clemson and Marquette, you know, and, and after I, I picked my five schools to go to and, uh, and I had taken my unofficial to Marquette, but I was still scheduled for my official later on. So I took my first official to Clemson and, uh, you know, uh, that was when Oliver Purnell was there and, and uh, you know, I went on that visit, and I I took a took a trip on this boat, and and it was just it was mesmerizing. You know, when, when you're a kid, when you're when you're young, and you're going to to college, and and you know, you don't really have an idea of what it's like. You know, you're kind of mesmerized. So so I took that my special trip, and and I fell in love with it. I told him straight up, I want to go here, but I got to take my other visits. He told me, it, you know wouldn't be fair for you to just go and, and, uh, and go and waste the other guy's time. So I was like, okay, well I'm coming here. And so I had to, you know, call up coach Crane, Tom Crane and, and everyone tell them, um, this is where I'm going. Clemson is, is my school. And, and I mean, the rest is history, you know? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, skipping, skipping forward a few years here. Uh, I, I saw you mentioned in another interview, that you signed with Neptunus for your second stint with the team because they told you that they were getting Lorenzo Williams, 
who you were with <laughs> when you won when you won the Lavian title in, uh, yeah. in 2014 with Vince Bills. Yeah. So I was just wondering, what, right. what's your relationship with Lorenzo like, and and why was that kind of a deciding factor for you? Man, Zoe is 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 one of the one of the top point guards I've ever played with. You know, his his basketball IQ is through the roof. I think that um, like it's I don't know it's. Yeah, the thing with Lithuania is they'll label you really quick. So, so uh, as as a player, they will label you at, like as soon as they can, maybe even before you get here. So, so um, there's that. But but you know he's he's the type of player that that can that just figures things out. You know, like whether if if the defense he sees the defense and he reads it so well that it makes my job a hundred times easier, uh, a thousand times easier, you know, all, all you have to do if you play with him is just get to the open spot and he'll, he'll find you, you know? And, and it's, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's easy. It's easy when you have a pure point guard on your team because he knows how to win. And, and we played at Vinceville together and won championship there. And, and for me, you know, those memories, uh, spark everything and they 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 um I got saw for the first time in Europe uh how good a point guard could be yeah for sure and then uh I, I think another really kind of interesting personal connection that you have now with Neptunus is that uh I, I saw that you proposed to your wife during a during a finals game there is that right yeah 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 absolutely. yeah how did, yep, how did yes, uh yeah, how did how did that idea come about to to do that uh, during a game? Because I think you you know you see that sometimes like on like Sports Center or whatever. Usually it's a fan. You don't see a player do it that often. Uh, so how, right. how did that idea come about? Well, I mean, first of all, it was long overdue. You know, we we've been together for for a long time since since college at that point, and um, you know, um, I was telling myself I'm gonna propose to her this year. Like I, I was telling, I was saying it to myself. I'm going to propose, I'm going to propose to her. And, um, I don't know, some of the guys on the team were just like, you know what, uh, you know, you should probably do it during the game. I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm going to do that. And I was planning it. And then someone else, some fan actually did it. I think one of the guys wearing the mascot suit actually did it during one of the games earlier in the season. And so I was like, man, he ruined it. Like he, he, he <laughs> screwed it up. Now I can't, I can't even do it no more, man. Now I got to. And like the guys were like, no, nah, no, nah, keep doing it. If we make the finals, you can do it in the finals. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, we ended up making the finals. And we played Zagres for the second game, and it was the home game. And um, I, I ended up proposing to her. Uh, I was a little nervous or whatever, but uh, you know, I got through it, and and she got through it, and we ended up beating Zagres by what twenty six or something like that, and. And uh, I mean, it was that just put icing on the cake. Honestly, that was, it was that just helped it be more memorable. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, thanks. Um, out of Clemson, you went to Sydney, and and then came to Italy, played in the in the in the Serie A, and then you know we said you you know right. you won the title with Vince Beals, uh, played the next right. year, won went to the Euro Cup, played two years of the Euro Cup, and then. Uh, played BCL in sixteen seventeen uh, with Neptunus. Right. Um, 
I'm trying to figure out how you ended up in the second division in Italy last season with Ravenna. Was that was that kind of a an extended um, honeymoon with with the misses? How how did that end up <laughs> that you ended up in the second division in Italy after playing you know Euro Cup two years or three years and then and then BCL in sixteen seventeen? Well, it, it was a mixture of different things. You know, um, we. Uh, I think we decided, you know, when when I was with my my former agent, we we had decided that maybe that was the best move as far as like uh, career wise, maybe um um as far as like with me uh, personally, you know, getting my uh, feeling more free, you know, to play my game because, like I said before, Lithuania labels you and you're not allowed to to play your game like you want to play it. So two years here kind of uh i kind of backtracked a little bit you know so for me it was just getting out it out of lithuania getting out of this country and 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 seeing how far my talent could take me and um i mean after lithuania after my last team uh, my numbers weren't great so nobody really no coach really wanted to take me and wanted to you know see how how I could play and all that thing, you know, because coaches look at numbers, you know, teams look at numbers. They want to, they want to see that first. And after that, they'll, they'll, you know, take a chance. So I went to, to A2 Italy, went to Ravenna, you know, um, we had a, we had a decent season, it, but it was still disappointing because we didn't make the playoffs, but, um, but, uh, you know, our coach is doing well now. He's, he's the coach for, for uh, the Bologna team, the second second division Bologna team, and probably going to move up this year, um, and then and then I eventually changed agents, uh, and he said the next step would probably be to come here, just because uh, we had a couple of other offers from teams, but um, they didn't want to take me because I I had a family reunion with my grandmother. And uh, I mean, long story short, uh, you know, the, you know, the way some of these European coaches are, it's their way of the highway and mm-hmm. which is understandable, you know, so, so uh, we ended up coming here and, and, you know, I mean, I guess things worked out because we're in the playoffs now and second in LKL. Yeah. And I mean, you've been averaging a double, double pretty much, or, you know, close to a double, double in the, in, in the BCL, obviously having a great year. Um, unfortunately you haven't been able to make it to the team of the week in the BCL for, for whatever, for whatever reason. Um, I I don't, not necessarily if you feel underrated or whatever, but you know, did you then, you know, cause like you said, nobody really wanted to take you. Um, did you feel you had something to prove then going into this season? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I've been, I've been underrated my whole life, you know, and w- which is, which is, which is weird because, you know, you, you think like the son of an NBA player, you know, oh yeah, he's going to get all this hype, whatever, blah, blah. But that's not the case for me, which is, which is, which is cool, which is great. You know, I, I always play like I have a, like I have a chip on my shoulder. And so, so um being an undersized five man and, and doing these things, you know, people say, I can't do this. People say, I can't do that. And then when I do it, they're like, oh, it's just, you know, it was just this. And then I do it again. Oh, well, it's just this. Oh, I'll do it again. Oh, it's just this. Well, you know, you, you, you kind of develop this, 
this uh this persona about you you know and and for me my persona is you know prove me uh, prove to me that i can't do it you know because i'm going to prove to you that i can't you guys have have something to prove now uh in the uh, return leg um you know you, you 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 mentioned that you guys didn't shoot well uh from three point range i think that's probably an understatement you take away uh Dylan Akaitis, <laughs> who went 4 of 8 every the other guys were 2 of 23 um that's probably not going to happen again and uh so <laughs> so you have that you so you have that maybe in favor going into the the return leg of course you're you're going to to uh Jerusalem uh, maybe just to kind of close it off, you know, what do you think this team needs to do uh, to turn uh, to turn this tie around and 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 get to the quarterfinals? Um, I mean, just just play better defense, you know, because um, at the end of the day, if we miss our shots, we miss our shots, you know. But but defense is is literally just uh, well, mostly heart and effort. You know, we, we, we can't let guys go by us one-on-one every single time. I don't care how athletic they are, how, how good they are. It's at a, at a certain point, it becomes pride about pride, you know? And, um, I don't know, defensive intensity would definitely help us turn this around, especially over there. And I played in Jerusalem before, you know, like my last end in, in, uh, Neptunus and, and, and they are, uh, 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 hyper crowd you know they like to they like to you know do the chance and they like to get in your face and everything e- even the team the team is like the crowd you know There's a lot of energy a lot of a lot of a lot of uh pressure you know but i think the pressure is on them you know i think if we if we match our defensive intensity with with uh how bad we want to win i think we can we can pull off the upset all right, fantastic, uh, Jerry Gant. Thanks for coming on the uh, show. Good luck uh, in the return leg in in Jerusalem. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, thanks again to Jere Grant from Neptunus Klaipeda for joining us on this week's episode. Dave, a lot of interesting things there. Uh, what did you think about what Jere had to say? You know, probably for for me, the the one that was probably most interesting is that he, you know, um, you know, really felt that he had something to prove that 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 uh, you know that um, you know you 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 figured that the the name you know kind of carries so much, and you know, going to Clemson and you know playing Euro Cup and you know playing BCL with Neptunus, and you know that nobody takes him, and he and he goes down to the second division. Uh, in Italy, you know, that just really that that shocked me when I saw that because I, I hadn't realized that really all year that he had gone down to the second division in Italy. So um, just that 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 he had to actually face that was kind of surprising. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, of course, you know, and he's been playing like a guy who had something to prove this season. He's been one of the most consistent big men in the league, a, a constant double-double threat. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the first leg against Hapoel Jerusalem, which was a surprise to me. He didn't have a field goal until late in the third quarter, but I expect him to really turn things around in the second leg. I, I, I don't think Neptunus will win that series, but I think Grant is going to have a really good game uh, on the road there in Jerusalem. Um, so again, thank you to Jere Grant for joining us on this week's show. Dave, uh, we have the second leg of the round of 16 coming up next week. 
Tuesday, March 12th, Wednesday, March 13th. I'll be in Athens for the second leg of Pauk versus Ike, so I'm really excited for that one to see if Vince Hunter and company can continue their role and advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, any, any final thoughts from you on the second leg before we wrap this up? I would just say, first of all, a safe trip over here to Europe um, and uh, enjoy uh, enjoy the game, uh, enjoy taking in uh, the Vince Hunter uh, experience, and um, and see what uh, and see what happens there. But uh, yeah, just you know, uh, lots of intrigue. Uh, you know, I think I think all eight matchups, you know, have have you know, uh, really a super dynamic in in one way or another to to look into. So I think it's going to be a really fun uh, uh, round of sixteen second leg. Definitely. There's going to be a ton of drama next week, so make sure you're subscribed to livebasketball.tv. Download the official Champions League app and go to the official website, championsleague.basketball, for everything you need to get you ready for the second leg of the round of 16. It's going to be awesome. So many great storylines, so many great matchups. I can't wait for next week. So for Dave Hine out in Germany, for our guest, Jure Grant, my name is Austin Green. This has been BCL Coast to Coast, and we'll catch you next week after the round of 16. <laughs>